Hello, and welcome to the American Pale Mills podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and with me is the ever-green... The ever-green? Uh, it's me, Jeremy. Uh, Michael, I'm... Are we just, like, aiming to put this out at some indi- <laughs> nondescript time in the future? Like, why am I evergreen? Is it because I'm rocking a new computer, which is green? Or uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. We can talk about that. Yeah. No, I just thought of it's autumn and the leaves are falling from the trees, but... All uh the leaves are brown. <laughs> your Your leaves are remaining. Your hair is still in place, and you're more like an evergreen tree, Jeremy. I... A, a redwood, one might say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Jeremy's spinning on that new PC. I am spinning on a new PC. It's an insane what happens when you, it doesn't take like f- a literal 45 minutes to get everything started up. It's not like push the power button on the computer, go get the beer, uh-huh. go to the bathroom, peek your head in, braise a pork shoulder. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, no, I've been, I've been recording lately out in the living room as opposed to the studio. Mm-hmm. Because wife of the show, well, my my wife of the show has been uh, reading while I do this, which is, you know, a solid thing to do. Absolutely. And, and, and for the record, I finished 25 yesterday on the year. Oh, 25 books for the year. Yeah. Uh, and the goal is? Uh, it's it's 30 again. Um, I'm keeping it standard because this year was, you know, a little bit occupied. Busy, but, busy. Uh Four of the 25 have been Stephen King books, which I did not plan ahead of time. He just, the man just keeps putting out new work. I I get the distinct feeling that he's, like, getting closer and closer to retirement. So he's just putting out all his backlogs of ideas and finishing up his manuscripts. A mix of that and just stuff he's had, like, sitting in the drawer and he, like, updates it, changes a few of the proper nouns, puts in a few slams against our current administration. <laughs> Ever since uh, Duma Key, I want to say, he's been pretty good. Hmm. Well, that's a nice little king brag, Jeremy. But yeah. do you have a beer brag? <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, what did I do yesterday? I did something yesterday, and I can't remember what I did, but it, it, it ended with uh, my wife, and I stopping at the co-op and I got a uh, a tall boy from Evil Twin Brewing. Mm-hmm. I got Molotov Light. Michael, have you ever had either of the Molotov beers? No. So this one, the color text is as follows. Back in the days, only uncomplicated and tasteless beers existed and people started feeling bored before happy hour was up. Molotov Light is an understated tour de force in rebellious hoppiness. It's a subtle spark for action and yet by far one of the most anti-authoritative beers ever made by Evil Twin Brewing. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to point out that this is a light version, before I tell you the ABV. Uh, ABV is uh, 8.5, Michael. This is light. Okay. Yeah. So at one point, I definitely had the the Molotov. I, I believe it's just called Molotov cocktail, which is like a triple or a quadruple or or something insane like that. And it made my stomach hurt. Okay. Wow. That intense. Yeah. Uh, oh, these are. This is a Denmark brewery. I know I've heard of these guys before. They have a ton of uh, beers around here but they're always super expensive okay molotov cocktail did you uh, 
did you like before, during, and after Christmas? Maybe you thought it. Po- I'm assuming that's a beer. Maybe you thought it poured brilliantly. <laughs> the alcohol was admirable, well hidden. Loved how the arrogant amount of hops numbed your mouth. This beer will knock your tongue off. Uh, <laughs> Imperial IPA, 13% ABV. Okay. They uh they don't screw around, but their beers are extreme. They're extreme. They're good. Molotov Light was good. It was not the best thing I've had from them, but okay, okay. Um, they make the biscotti and biscotti break Imperial porters. Oh yeah, maybe that's the one I had. The Imperial Mexican uh birthday cake thingy. Yeah, I think picked up something from Wine Styles from them. Yes, that is yes. where I've had most of this stuff from that. But yeah, it's. I suspect that these Molotov lights had been hanging out for some time because it was a little... A little... It had a little bit of that, it's been sitting in the cooler for a while. And right, the fact that it was 249 or something like that makes me suspect even more that yeah. it was just kind of chilling out in the cooler. But it was still good. And you know what? That's all I really ask for. It hid the alcohol extremely well. And... uh I couldn't tell you for the life of me what the hops were. Hmm. But yeah, I'm looking. Everything on their front page is over like 10% alcohol. It's good stuff. Check them out. Maybe I'll have to get you one for a Christmas present. Hmm. But yeah, what do you got for a uh, for a beer break? Well, we just wrapped up our Oktoberfest episodes, and we're going to be going into a new series of beers. Yeah, I, I had I I felt like I had a real headache, just like I was having a weird dream last week, but. But yes, we're out of the Octobers now, sadly. Yes, but you know, I'm wrapping up those on my end too. I had, um, oh, let's just do both of them. Probably since, first time since my wedding. I can't think of last time I would have had this one. Had the Staghorn Oktoberfest beer. Good call. Yep. I had many of them at your wedding. Was more, um... Noble Hoppy than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a tweak or just me paying more attention to what's in these beers as the wedding was pre-podcast. <laughs> um, it was pre-podcast, wasn't it? Yes. Actually, that's where Mike and I kind of discussed the initial stages of this show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a real robust, crisp flavor. Probably as close as you can get to a German here, I would say. And then I had another one from Hillsboro Brewing Company. That was a little more malt forward, um, and the hops that it did have were more bitter. So it was weird. It was like taking the two sides of the spectrum for the maltiness and bitterness and pushing them out, and then you have like this gulf in between, whereas the staghorn was more like a bell curve, if you will, of okay. those extremes. So yeah, it's it's been weird. A weird year for Oktoberfest, especially with the ones we had. Oh, and I'll throw in this too. I had a sip of the... The one that was problematic for you, mm. uh, that you confirmed, Bitburger and Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest. And um, again, I, I got that off flavor a little bit. Definitely not to the extent that you did, but it was nice to confirm that mm. there is something going on with that one that just isn't quite normal. Much like Hank Hill says, that beer ain't right. <laughs> right, yeah. Now I just got to do the same thing with that Odell and see if that was mm-hmm. a one-off or whatever, but... um. So yeah, we've just run the, you know, the gamut here with uh, all these Oktoberfests. Like, uh, it's amazing how one style can have so many nuances to it that can really tank the beer, I guess, technically. True. Um, 
but there's also the point is just like it at what point do you just like leave well enough alone and stop screwing yes. with success and that's what i was just gonna say too it's just like is it worth fine-tuning all these knobs and getting is perfect the enemy of good here and i think it is and I think for me, there's a limit on how good the style can be overall. Like it's never going to be, or rarely going to be above a four. So mm-hmm. I think you just got to put it in cruise control and say, hey, this one's pretty good. Like with the staghorn, you know, I think that's like hitting the stride right there. This is probably not going to get too much better than this. I'll enjoy what I have here rather than, ooh, I got to find one that's a little more malty. Well, know? that said, Michael, that Iger that we had last year. Uh, yes. That's why I put the caveat that most of them won't be more than a four. And it's tr- it's true, but it's just like that just immediately comes to mind. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy. Yes. Jeremy, to part the curtain a little bit, the FDR, the beer that we're FDRing, is from a brewery called Tyranina. You pronounced it well, Michael. Yes. Oh, yes. I was, I was wondering about that. And uh, we have had this brewery on the show before. It was... PJ, pre-Jeremy. Oh, yeah. I uh, you, you catch me every time with that. All the way back to episode 26, where we had their Bitter Woman IPA. We're having something different this week, obviously. But the key thing about Tyronina, and I might have mentioned this before. In fact, maybe I'll just jump into the flavor text on their website for the brewery itself. The legend of Tyronina began long ago in a time before history was written. Legend tells of a foreign tribe that built a series of stone structures and effigy mounds on the edge of a lake they called Tyranina. Today, these structures lie preserved deep under the waters of Rock Lake. Uh, And this is in Lake Mills, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. No one knows for sure who built them, the purposes they served, how and why they are submerged, or even the meaning of the word Tyranina. We invite you to develop your own theories while enjoying one of the new legends of Tyranina, the legendary Wisconsin beers of the Tyranina Brewing Company. It's uh, writing an awfully strong check that they may or may not be able to cash. (laughs) Right. So I used to, when I was a wee lad, our family would vacation in Lake Mills, Wisconsin, uh, before I even lived in Wisconsin. And so I've heard of these like pyramids before. So I'm like, all right, what's the deal with these? This is like kind of urban legend or like urban pre-urban legend, I guess. Um, pre-urban legend, the movie from 1998 starring Rebecca Gayhart in the... <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that one. Oh, okay, yeah, just making sure. So I searched Rock Lake Pyramids to see what I could come up with. Boy, it gets pretty tinfoil hat real quick. Gets a little wiggity? Yes, yeah. So Wikipedia, which actually plays it pretty straight, Rock Lake is a... Lake in southern central Wisconsin at Lake Mills, 20 miles east of Madison, about 87 feet deep at its deepest point. Hmm. All right, fine. (laughs) Then it says, Rock Lake is perhaps most famous for its underwater pyramids, believed by some to be built by the Aztalan natives at the time when water levels were much lower. All right, that's fine. It snuck it in there. Like, it does put pyramids in quotes. Uh Uh-huh. And then, you know, the next search result is ancientpages.com. This sounds delightful. Exactly. Um, But even that isn't too wacky. They do get a little uh, maybe anti-science. But it goes into the history here a little bit. So this might be kind of a little wiki hole here, or non-wiki wiki wiki hole. Um, 
Although the lake is at least 10,000 years old, no scientist wanted to seriously consider the possibility that the 3,500 years old ruins could actually exist at the bottom of the lake. My God. <laughs> Yet something is definitely resting there.、Mm -hmm. Over the years, due to climate changes, it was occasionally possible to catch a brief glimpse at the lake's bottom. The first known discovery occurred in the early 1900s when Claude and Lee Wilson announced that their oar struck the apex of the pyramid about six feet below the lake's surface. Several attempts were made to locate the unknown structure, but all failed. Newspapers ignored the discovery, and the Milwaukee Herald even referred to it as mass hysteria. One who did not give up on his search was Alex Max Jean Knoll. Oh boy. An engineer and diver from, from Massachusetts. Four names, four first names, no less. <laughs> you can't trust someone with two first names. Four is just untenable. Michael,、yep. continue. He's stacking them up. In 1937, while diving, he successfully reported a triangular-shaped structure. It was a pyramid! <laughs> Exclamation point. There's a few of those in this paragraph. I'm sure. His discovery was confirmed some years later when two pilots reported observing a huge triangular-shaped object beneath the surface of Rock Lake. Scientists were confronted with what could be the most significant and controversial North American archaeological discovery of the 20th century, and yet no archaeologist was interested in the subject. Exclamation point. <laughs> For many years, scientists chose not to write or discuss the Rock Lake Pyramid. Finally, in 1962, the Wisconsin archaeologist printed an article conveying the opinion of the academic world. Readers were informed that it was highly unlikely a man-made pyramid could actually be found at the bottom of Rock Lake. Experts estimate the lake to be at least 10,000 years old, and that fact alone clearly spoke against the underwater pyramid. <laughs> It was obvious that archaeologists rejected the theory because this kind of discovery would force scientists to rewrite the history of Wisconsin.、Uh, of course. Right. A couple more things here. In 1987, Frank Joseph, an American author, became interested in the underwater pyramid. Together with other scientists, he completed a side scan sonar study of the lake floor. The scientists managed to observe a number of unusual shaped structures along a submerged beach. Uh, the reading clearly indicated several artificial structures beneath the surface of Rock Lake. According to Frank Joseph, beneath the waters of Rock Lake lie at least ten structures! Exclamation point! Yes, exactly. <laughs> And then they cap it off here. These mysterious man made underwater structures gain even more credibility if we consider the fact that Indian site of Aslan is located only three miles away from Rock Lake. And that's true, there is a legitimate, actually, it's a state park that has some. It's probably recreated, but remnants of mound, what are they called? Mound builders. Oh, the, uh, oh the, the Native American mounds? Yes, yeah, like Mississippian what are,、oh、God, cultures. I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. They're the river people. Yes, yeah.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're up in like the northeast ish, east ish part of Iowa. Mm hmm. You have like the effigy mounds there. That's the word I was looking for. Thank、yes. you. That was going to drive me insane. So. At Aslan, the site mentioned before, not the pyramids, but the real one,、mm -hmm. there are also truncated pyramids. Were the man made pyramids beneath the water of Rock Lake built by the same ancient culture? So, you know, they kind of, you know, obviously, maybe not objective with the evidence, that, but I, maybe presenting a hypothesis there that potentially something's there. I think a lot of, you know, just from what I grazed, like, there's a lot of glacial activity in the area that could. Have caused these structures and but or and hear me out, Michael.、Mm -hmm. Perhaps this is more of the reptilian elite trying <laughs>、well. to throw us off. 
That brings us to BurlingtonNews.net. <laughs> oh, really? Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was a. They're all over the place with the website. Uh, Does it? Okay. Is it? And they're selling a book about this. <laughs> okay, of course they are. Oh. Uh, I have several questions before you start this. One, is it sold as a leather-bound grimoire? <laughs> I No, it's probably a paperback. Okay, two. Self-published paperback. <laughs> that was... Okay, that's the other option. <laughs> uh, oh, and the, and Frank Joseph is associated with this site, too, I believe. Two so. first names. Uh, <laughs> is, 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 is the website on Angel Fire slash uh, green text on a black background? White text on a black background... That's almost as bad. And when I copy and pasted something from the website, the text itself has a black background, too. I don't know. That's not important. But it came out in Courier or what? Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know. Um, Why do I remember all this crap? Here's a snippet. God. That goes back a while. Oh, boy. <laughs> Strange things happen around the area of Rock Lake. People see things that aren't there. Ice fishermen can't start their chainsaws out on the ice, but back on shore, they start fine. They return to the ice again and run to the same problem. Scuba divers trying to film the underwater pyramids can't get their cameras to work. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Other divers preparing to dive into the waters of the pyramid are overcome with a sense of dread. <laughs> it's apparent that there is an energy disturbance going on in the area, strong enough to cause mechanical failure as well as affecting human consciousnesses. It's also apparent this area represent a stress... Represent... Okay, that might be their... Not me, that might be them. It is also apparent that this area represent stress points of higher dimensional and intelligent energy. And yes, they do have like map on their website that connects, makes a triangle between like the Sea of Galilee. Is this on like a big ley line thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Here's a few more snippets at uh, just not headlines, but headings on their website. Uh-huh. Wisconsin and Atlantis, the Rock Lake Connection, <laughs> King Solomon and the Harvesting of of North America. Of course. Apparently bronze from Rock Lake was used to build the Tower, tower of Babel or something like that. Or... I, I mean, honestly, is it any more goofy than saying Jesus Christ was in Jackson, Mississippi? Or Missouri, rather. Uh, yes. Yeah, no. That's... No, it's not. It's not. It's not more stupid. It's um, not. You kind of... <laughs> you're getting to something here, Jeremy. They have uh, some pictures of them scuba diving in the lake. Uh, we did manage to find several interesting structures, including a black pyramid with ancient inscriptions written on it. At a later date, we will go back and photograph the structure. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this stuff is all technically very, very cool and like heavy metal and everything. Right. But it's just like, you, ju you just have to say like, there, there's some sort of weird gravitational pull that prevents us from going down. Are we good? Fine. Great. Grant. Awesome. Cool. Right, yeah. But it's just like, eh, now we just chose not to. It's just like, come on, man. If you're going to go hooky-doo with it, go full board. Make it worth my time. I I like all sorts of goofy crap when it comes to uh, conspiracy theory. Um. Finally, the final bit I'll go into here before we can get in the beer. Um, last, I don't know, maybe this is a lateral move or a move even further down the pole. I found a YouTube comments on a video from... <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say the I don't want to give them any press they already have over 400,000 subscribers and it's it's a UFO related YouTube channel and the video itself is just a simple text reader over some images so it's not even somebody 
talking. It's, it's a computer so, talking. So it's, so it's it's just trying to prevent them, capital T, maybe from, from knowing the ufologists about this. Yes. All right. Or they just found a web page and had it read the content of the web page and dumped it out. But uh, a couple comments on uh, there that caught my eye. I always lived in the area, owned a home in Lake Mills where I'd go for daily summer swims in Rock Lake and hiked Astalan frequently. This subject always fascinated me. Okay, and that's fine. Okay, uh, next sentence. Although the use of these by natives for fishing is probable, I have to wonder about giants. <laughs> In 1912, I believe, but I may have the year wrong, there were giant remains discovered in Wisconsin, and pictures have surfaced, although the Smithsonian Institute has destroyed the remains. And this is admitted by the Smithsonian Institute. Because the Smithsonian is constantly destroying artifacts. (laughs) Right. So what's really being hidden here? I'm like, oh no. The, The final comment, it button, puts a button on what you were saying. The history, wars, culture, and record of these people, referring back to the people who apparently built these structures under the lake, is in the Book of Mormon. This specific area had larger people that originally came from the Tower of Babel. (laughs) Read the book of, is it Ether? Or maybe they meant to say Esther? I don't know. Something in the Book of Mormon, if you are interested. It it is a true and incredible story. I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah. I have listened to that six-parter that last podcast did on Mormonism. Good Lord. Oh, yeah, I I would I would recommend listening to the podcast, but uh, I mean, believe whatever you want to believe. But I mean, like, I read that prophet's prayer book and under the banner of heaven, and like, granted, that was the fundamentalist LDS, kind of messed up, kind of yeah yeah. Don't yeah. don't don't read that one if you have children. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. I brought that up recently, but I can't remember why. Maybe I was just saying that to someone else to like, hey man. Maybe don't read that book. I think it was a post-show recording. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Now that we've talked and alluded to enough uh, horrific crime, is it that... Let's get, get into this beer. <laughs> what a great pivot, Michael. <laughs> Back to the beginning of this. Tyranina Brewing Company, Lake Mills, Wisconsin. You know what's not as awful as the FLDS, Michael? Tyranina Brewing Company. Yes, that this flavor text does have something a little odd in it, though. It, it does. Uh, okay, I'll let you read that. But th- this is Painted Ladies Pumpkin Spice Ale, because all of November, we're doing pumpkin beers. So um, why not do that in October? Well, we're doing Oktoberfest. Well, no, why not do Oktoberfest in September when it begins? Because we're busy, okay? Yeah. So we're having uh, pumpkin beers. I was getting married, all right? Yes. Kick rocks. And technically, I think November is just as... Uh, if not more cromulent for pumpkin stuff because you have the pumpkin pie and Agreed. the pecans. And it's, and it's just one of those things like, especially now that, you know, our planet is heating up at a horrific rate. <laughs> That's a good point too. October was uh, fairly warm this year and Oktoberfest knows no bounds. You know, it's I could probably have one of those at any point of the year as long mm-hmm. as it was, you know, fresh and not having been sat on a shelf for a while. But there's just something about having a uh, pumpkin or pumpkin spice or a spiced beer in, like, warm-ish weather that just ain't right. Right, and right. today was, like, the first, like, actually kind of cold day out. Like, I was, yes. I was, I was a little cold waiting for the, uh, the bus this afternoon. So I was just like, ooh, 
we're having pumpkin and there's you know all those warming spices in it but color text you ask for color mm-hmm. text you shall receive michael uh, they implore us to enjoy fall with painted ladies pumpkin spice ale brewed with pumpkin and pumpkin pie spices to celebrate the bounty of the harvest which is yet another reason why we couldn't have done this oct- in october we're ah, very yes. far behind in the harvest, Michael, due to the rain and the floods and the yada yada. Anyway, the, <laughs> the Painted Lady's annual fling celebrates the renaissance of downtown Lake Mills. Although named for the restoration of the many Victorian storefronts, some of the more adventurous womenfolk added flavorful twist and dressed as, well, painted ladies. Inspired by these bold and spicy women, oh boy, we brewed Painted Ladies, a pumpkin and spice-infused amber ale. This fall, make sure you enjoy a fling with a few painted ladies. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Dual, dual meanings. Dual meanings. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, this is at 7.25% ABV with an IBU of 22. Uses Northern Brewer and Fuggles hops, as well as two-row pale caramel malts and pumpkin puree, which is always a good thing to see in my uh, book because... It, Anyone can put cinnamon, nutmeg, and, you know, a, a dash of cloves in a beer and call it a pumpkin mm-hmm. spice. I think that's just technically a spiced beer. And it, it might be good, but it ain't pumpkin spice, sir. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, and i also surprised at the ABV. Uh, yeah, I it's think it would be that high. But To pull back the curtain a little bit, I spoke to you earlier about a uh, a beer that I thought about too late to have smuggled up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, called The Spice Must Flow, and I know I've spoken about this on the past. And this year is, I don't know if it's a, uh, the grass is always greener or the memory is better than it actually is, but the maple's real strong on there, and that has cloves and the cinnamon and the nutmeg and all that stuff. So that's basically a pumpkin spice, but with maple syrup or maple mm. flavoring in it. Maple mm-hmm. Maple's a little heavier than usual this year, but mm. it's uh, still very good. So, maybe a good uh, starting point for comparison for some of these brews. It's true. Um, but let's open this one. What comes in a bottle? Artwork on there is some pumpkins with some garishly, I guess that's a relative term, but faces with makeup on them. Why, hello, Michael. <laughs> it's one of those situations. <laughs> that smells pumpkin-y and spicy, Michael. Oh, yeah. Now, I think we've established, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I like trying these beers, but I don't know if I like these beers. So uh, <laughs> I'm always real excited beforehand, and then and by I the end, I'm ju- like, oh. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I wonder if Atomic Pumpkin is brewed again this year, because that one was good. I would definitely reach for that. Oh, yeah. That one was the spicy one, as in heat spicy, correct? Uh-huh. Subtle habanero chilies. Um, this is a kind of a darker amber color. It is, perhaps uh, by the uh, pumpkin flesh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, a centimeter of head on there, a few bubbles coming up. Um, there's some haze going on in there, so I think it's unfiltered, but it's not like mm-hmm. opaque or anything. And like you said, it smells spicy. So, uh, Michael, I, I already went in. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep, I Your tend thoughts. to do that. Um, so this one is unusual in my opinion, because mm. the malt is very strong with this. It is. It's a little on the sweet side, at least initially, but... Um, I don't think that's... 
Maybe that's the spice. I need to, I got to keep going here. I think that's the spice. And yes, we do indeed need to keep going on this one. But uh, it also might be the fact that it's like actual pumpkin in there. Yeah, that adds a little. Because pumpkins are technically a fruit, Michael. Really? If it has seeds, it's a fruit. Hmm. A gourd is a fruit? I'm pr- I thought so. Is pumpkin a fruit? A pumpkin is a fruit because it matches this dictionary definition of fruit. The edible plant structure of a mature ovary of a flowering plant usually eaten raw. Is a pumpkin a droop? I mean, probably, but I don't know what that means. A droop is like a... No, I guess a droop is like a, a, a peach. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole point of a fruit is to have, like, all the nutrients and sugars and, like, what have you that the seed would need to grow so that when the fruit drops off the tree, it can, you know, like, theoretically grow into something else despite, you know, apples tasting gross if you plant apple seeds. (laughs) Right, right. Huh. That's right. (laughs) I'm looking at the pumpkin Wikipedia page. We'll have to save that for another episode. Um, hmm. I mean, I'm... I'm actually kind of enjoying this one. It's not bad. The sweetness isn't no. cloying. I kind of wish there was more spice to it. Because mm. there's not a ton of the spice aspect. I'm getting a lot of the pumpkin. Well, here's... I'll play devil's advocate here. And I can't cite my source here, so maybe I'm being a little ancientpages.com here. <laughs> but my understanding is that when pumpkin is added to a beer, um, it's largely tasteless i mean it does obviously you're changing the malt ratios and you're adding some body maybe to it or removing body i don't know which way and the pumpkin spices which of course we commonly associate with with pumpkin we think that of that as pumpkin now Mm -hmm. like i said i can't remember where i read that or confirm that or if you read Uh, it at all right and i think that's the reason why i think that is because yam beers Yam. <laughs> Which also come around this time of year. They do indeed. Tend to have a more unique flavor because the yam actually has flavor. And maybe it depends what kind of pumpkin you use, too. I, was go- I, I know was there's just about different... to get offended on uh, behalf of all pumpkin lovers everywhere. <laughs> yeah, because there are different cultivars. So maybe true. it depends what cultivar you use. So eh, True. So I, I believe, I could believe there is a pumpkin flavor, yes. Michael the but... Controversy Kid. Yeah, this episode, I'm just, I'm I'm registering my pumpkin conspiracy blog. Buy my book. Buy my book. <laughs> um, but I get what you're saying, absolutely. Yeah. No, like you said, I, I'm actually enjoying this one. Uh, I, I, I think I prefer to, to be a little held back on the spices versus going too far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Were you there when we had the pumpkin cider? I don't believe so. I don't know. Well, we had the Ace Pumpkin Cider. One oh, year. yeah, yeah, okay. That, yes. And that yes, that I, had no, because as a cider, it had no, like, body or malts to, like, balance out those pumpkin spices. Uh-huh. I, and it was I, just like... It was gross. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Whereas this, I think they have the right malts in here and the pumpkin in there to kind of allow the spices to lean on something, and it's, it's not that bad. I was fully preparing to you know, dislike this, but they're not really giving me a good reason to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, this one is kind of tame. Um, I can see, yeah, you might want something a little more bolder from your pumpkin. Um, I, I mean, they, they discussed that there was, you know, an, it's an amber ale with uh, mm-hmm. pumpkin-y this and that and everything in there. But um, it's pleasant. 
Yes. I, I think is probably the best thing I can say about it. I don't have any problems with this one. You can't exactly turn this thing into a hop bomb or anything like that. Um, right. The it's it's weird to see this much malt in a pumpkin beer that isn't like a like some sort of insane evil twin three Floyds right, dogfish yeah. head. We're making it eighty two proof or whatever like that, and it's got fifty whole pumpkins in every bottle or you know something crazy like that. But I just sort of wish there was a little more. I think this is not in the flavor text, but on the bottle it says it's an ale brewed with pumpkin and spices, and it lists cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, allspice, ginger, which are the pumpkin spices. But just to confirm that uh-huh. what is in here, allspice, which is nice to see that. That's allspice is solid. Skipped, yeah. That said, I don't get a ton of much of those. I don't think they're very distinct. They're probably. The most thing I get the most of is the cinnamon and the clove. And even the cinnamon is not that heavy. And clove is just a potent spice no matter what you do. Like, right. Woe be to the person that puts too much clove in anything. <laughs> Lord knows I've done that before, and it's it's no good. And you have to throw that food out. <laughs> and there are a few things I dislike more than throwing out food. It's one of those oh, things yeah, that happens absolutely. in my old age. Is I'm I I really don't like it. Um, now that we've gotten into Grandpa Corner, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, I was gonna say what was I gonna say? It's nice to have clove too, which again has the strongest flavor outside the context of a half a bison. Let's rate this, Jeremy. Okie dokie, Michael. Now, yes. This is my first pumpkin spice beer of the year. Me too. Well, didn't you have the uh, spice must flow, or is that just a that's memory? not that's not a pumpkin beer? Oh, okay. That is just, just a spiced black spice ale. Beer. Um. So anyway, first one of the year. Uh, here's what I like about it, real quick. I like it doesn't go overboard on the pumpkin spice. Mm-hmm. I like that there's a solid malt base. I'm towards the end now. It's not too sweet, so they balance it pretty good there. Probably wouldn't have more than one in a sitting, though. God, no. It's very strong. I mean, it's relatively strongly flavored. That said, uh, is there any... Before you get going too far, and I, mm-hmm. you know I just hate to take us off course. <laughs> right. Is there any pumpkin beer that you've had that you can think of that you would have had more than one of? I will go back to the yam beers. I know that's not a pumpkin. You Pumpk- just said pumpkin, I though. I said pumpkin so- beer. I specifically said pumpkin beer. <laughs> Probably book. not that I can think of in okay. memory, but some of those yam beers were really balanced enough that you could probably go back in for another. But uh, also impressed by the ABV. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's it's a, a lot. That is a good point. Anything above seven, and then you like that incorporates well into the flavor, or you can't. It's not distracting. Um, I have to give a little tip of the cap too. Yeah, this this. And it's not a case of it like being hidden behind things. Like sometimes, with the Molotov right. light that I had earlier, the the warmth was hidden behind those hops. Hops, yeah. Or in an imperial stout, it's hidden behind you know, you know, just a ton of malts and whatever adjuncts are in there, or you know, barrel aged whiskey flavoring or what have you. That is a very good point, and I dig that. Yeah. So I might be going a little high here. I think you might temper my rating, but... um, I probably will. 
Yeah, which I'm kind of factoring into <laughs> my rating. So yeah, maybe this might be what I measure things against as far as the future pumpkin beers. And maybe I'm being generous here. I'm going to give it a four. It's just wow. rating with my heart in this current setting. I'm actually really liking it. And it's I was fully prepared to be like, you know, these pumpkin beers are all nasty gross. But no, this one's really good. I'd, I'd reach again. Like if I had to have a pumpkin party and needed a beer for that, th- this would be a fine beer that I think a lot of people could enjoy. Uh, maybe change up the flavor text a little bit the last sentence is a little weird <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> um but aside that I, I don't have too much to complain about here so i hear what you're saying mm-hmm. but as we have established since my last trip to oregon last year and i swear i'm going somewhere with this when one is chasing the dragon on a specific like sub subset of beer. When I was in Oregon, it was the brute from yeah. the shoot. Yeah. Ah, hey, it rhymed. Never noticed that. <laughs> but uh, in my mind, I am chasing the dragon from. God, I must at least twelve years ago at the old Capital Brew Works, which is <sighs> has not been there for a decade. Yeah. It's like my chocolate blonde mm-hmm. obsession, but yeah, mm-hmm. they they made a pumpkin beet pumpkin beer there that in my mind tasted exactly like pie Mm. obviously I have no way of telling if that is true or not I don't think I was under the influence when I had that one I'm pretty sure I wasn't because it was light out and it was October or November or something you go there to enjoy beer not yeah Yeah. granted I was like 23 at the time (laughs) which might be one and the same back in the day but well, um, true but my, anyway. my, my point is that like I keep chasing the dragon because the uh, the pie flavoring is just not here and mm. I kind of wish it was that said I do like the fact this is got some solid beerosity going on it this is yeah, the, yeah it the, still has the beer that's a good point absolutely this yeah. is definitely an amber ale that happens to have pumpkiny this and that in it. Mm-hmm. I like that it has what appears to be real pumpkin in it. I wish that it would have had more of the spice aspect to it. Even mm-hmm. even if it was just like a little bit more cinnamon or a little bit more allspice. As we've established, you don't ever need more clove. <laughs> yes. That just ends poorly for everyone. Uh, some ginger would have been solid. Like a little bit extra ginger, get that little snap to it. Oh yeah, that's that, that would be good. But um, th- this is an okay beer. I hope that the pumpkin beers that you and I have purchased for one another are a little bit more adventurous. Mm-hmm. In I guess is a word that I would use in their pumpkininess. It's it's what's the pumpkin version of beerosity? Oh yeah. Uh... Pum- pumpkinery? I don't know. Pumpkinery? Yeah, there. I, I like that. I, I mean, we'll work on Very that. We'll, we'll workshop on that one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go in for a sip of judgment. Michael, entertain the people. I think we'll have some beers that have a potential to go higher than this, and some that have potential to go <laughs> lower than this. So this. it'll be nice to see where things land compared to this one. But anyway, I I do like this, but I'm not wowed by it. Yes. 
It's it's kind of like when you uh it's like watching an episode of CSI with your parents. <laughs> it's just like there's nothing wrong. With, there's nothing wrong with CSI. It's perfectly fine. It's gross. It's technically the sort of stuff that I would personally read a lot about. But you know what? It's just done in a manner that it doesn't have any zhuzh to it. Mm. Man, we like analogies on this show. I can't believe I made that sort of work. <laughs> And it, it does comprehend. It uh, sort of works. I'm not going to say it's a good metaphor or analogy <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, it's, right. it's just like you're there. This this is the sort of beer that I would Okay, bringing it full circle. This is the sort of beer that if your parents had in the fridge and it was like, eh, this time of year, there's maybe a football game on or it's thanks, yeah. Thanksgiving even. I'm going to give this a three. Okay. I, I realize okay. that's kind of what our solid rating is around here, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's both its flaws and its strengths are glaring in mm, in both okay. in both directions. I think that the uh, the fact that it's got like a fierce malt body and the fact that it has a uh, a real pumpkin flavor to it are very very good, but it also just kind of is like. Meh. And there's little to no spice on it, mm-hmm. which I, it's just like, I, I, I kind of want more mm-hmm. because it says spice right on the bottle. So yeah. I'm going to go with a three. It's, it's fine. I dig it. But because it says pumpkin spice, I'm expecting spice. And now here we are. <laughs> here we are. All right. Fair assessment, Jeremy. But that's another one down the gullet, Michael. How about you give us those social media plugs? You can get in touch with us, Twitter at APMPod, Facebook.com slash APMPod. Email us directly, APMPod at gmail.com. Check us out on Untapped, where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with all of our ratings there. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, tell a friend. Do that, too. But uh, we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I have been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.